Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, folks. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Today, my guest is Kisan Patel. Kisan, what's happening today? Hey, thanks for having me, Anthony. Awesome. I'm excited to chat with you. So Kisan is the founder and CEO of MA Science. What does MA Science do and why should our listeners be super excited about it? <laughs> we do a few different things related to mergers and acquisitions. Our business originally started as a software product where Typical founder story, I worked in the industry, took inspiration from the software space, particularly how software engineers were using these project management tools to manage developing software and thought, why not something like this for M&A? That's what led to starting our first product, Deal Room, in 2012. And that product evolved. We started with managing the diligence process. When you start pursuing a deal over company to acquire, you do a lot of uh, diligence to make sure what's represented is accurate, identify the risks. We built a workflow to manage that, then evolved into managing the whole integration process, which gets even more complex once you close the company and we need to integrate these two unique entities together. Then we added pipeline management functionality and became a full lifecycle management solution. Along the way, uh, with the encouragement of a friend, I got into podcasting and we took our own spin in terms of leveraging a podcast to enable industry practitioners to be able to share lessons learned. And that evolved into a full digital media business that we run today where we host a series of events. We have over 350 published blogs, eBooks. We have two published books. One of notable one is Agile M&A, which is based on case studies with Google and Alassian, how they use Agile techniques stemming from the engineering culture applied to M&A with great success. We published that book as a framework to help other organizations move from their old school traditional approach to Agile so they can get better results on their deals, shift their focus from the numbers to more about the people so you can get people lined around goals and priorities. And that's what we do today. Our business is comprised of about five, six different business lines all around either educational resources or technology. Awesome. I love that. I think it makes it really easy for people to not only adopt and understand M&A, but also understand like what makes it successful. Because you've seen, you know, no doubt your share of successful mergers and acquisitions and ones that are not successful. And I think the common theme between those is, is the people. So I really like that not only agile approach, but people approach. When we first started chatting today, like prior to the show recording, we were talking about, you know, kind of like the M&A finance world for most people that were kind of bred into it and then kind of approachability for people who want to better understand M&A. So there's a lot of our audience here, they're growing businesses, they are evolving in their careers. What are some of the things that they should, uh, you know, understand about M&A that might not be so commonplace in terms of information? Oh, when we look at what M&A is in the grand scheme of things, they represent the largest transactions that happen in the world. They're also the largest magnitude of change management an organization will go through. And I think that's when we look at why deals fail or slip up. It's typically geared towards executing the change. When you go buy a company, especially in today's competitive market, you can't just buy a business, expect it to just hum along on its own and make returns for you. It's a highly competitive market. 
you need to have a strategy in mind and how you're going to generate value through a series of synergies. Are you doing executing on cost synergies to reduce costs, combining different functions between entities, or are you going to create new revenue streams and expand with revenue synergies? Um, Those are the big things. You really got to factor that in. But ultimately, when it comes to rubber meeting the road, it's on how well you can execute the change, how well you can align people around goals to drive this change. That's the key thing. And that's where we see a big shift and change in the industry in the past five years from this emphasis on the financials, making sure the numbers work, getting this model the board can buy into, to really focusing on the people. Can we take this end state that we have in mind, right? Every M&A starts with some good intentions, some innovation and how we're going to generate value for our customers. They often result in a lot of frustration, headaches, and blowups. But can, can we change that by taking what we're trying to achieve, this end state, bring it to the front end of the process so both executives can get aligned around it, identify who's actually going to be responsible for executing all this change, their integration leader, have them involved to start developing that go-to-market outline so we have clarity. Each respected organization has their unique way of creating value for the customer. That's why we exist today. But when our organizations come together, what is that going to look like for the customer? How do we align ourselves to understand what that's going to look like and, and build that as, as part of our uh, go-to-market? Uh, then the other big factor is culture. When we think about how things come together and where friction can come about is when you have some con- contrasting differences with culture, uh, starting with values, having each respected organization understand the other organization's values is a good starting place because then you can expand that conversation to better understand culture, leadership styles that lead to the understanding of decision-making, problem-solving. And these are the key areas that you want to get a sense uh, of related to the transaction because it can help guide how you're going to integrate the companies. What's the depth of integration you're going to pursue? You may come across some start conflicting differences that may raise some concerns and even warrant from doing the deal in the first place. Uh, And these are all good things to know about earlier, the better really identifying what, what are some of the, the cultural pieces of these organizations, as well as identifying who the key people are that are going to be needed to really drive the change to execute that you want to keep around. These are all key things when it comes to making sure that the, process is focused on the people. I think there's this, we always think about diligence when you have the buyer coming in and they're peeling back the company, trying to understand all the processes of it. There's a, an idea of reverse diligence of the company you are acquiring. Can you help them understand the organization they're going to be integrated into? What are the different business lines that the parent organization has? What do they do? Where are they going to fit into that? And what that's going to look like? Yeah, uh, there's like so much good stuff there because one of the things I was wondering was what can you do on the front end versus what you need to do on the back end? Like there's something like, hey, you got the keys to the car, you know, getting under the hood and, and seeing everything is way different when you're in the kind of diligence phase versus when they're actually integrated and you change their logos and all of that stuff. And, and it's a process and I've seen it done quickly. I've seen it done slowly and, you know, different results happening there. But I really like that reverse diligence, preparing people for that. 
And then looking at saying, hey, trying to think about what it looks like both for the customer and state once we complete this, but then also what does it look like for the culture? So having that that final piece in there. I'm curious because you mentioned, you know, like billion dollar companies like doing these big transactions and they've got a lot more resources to put towards change management, integration, like all of those pieces. Plus, they've probably got a couple deals under their belt. You know, if you're, let's say, uh, 25 to 50 to $100 million company and you're kind of new-ish at M&A integration, maybe what are some of the things that you've seen gone wrong? Like, what are some lessons learned that those kind of like their first deal or two, their first big acquisitions that you would say, hey, you know, if you had done X, Y, Z, you would have nipped this in the bud? Planning, preparation, like what we tend to underestimate what it actually takes to do these deals successfully. I think there's capabilities as an organization you need to develop to allow yourselves to be able to take on a company into your organization and building that muscle of how you integrate companies. I think that's the big piece is it is a significant amount of change for the company you're acquiring, but also for your organization and being prepared for it tends to get underestimated. Uh, I, I think too, when you're doing even the front end early process, you're a lot of times when you go through the diligence phase that later changes to integration, you're pulling in a lot of resources in your company that may be new to m and So again, go in preparation with these individuals that you're pulling in to get involved with the deal and helping them understand what they're supposed to be doing what their accountability is, helping them understand why their company does M&A. What, what, how does that fit into the whole strategy and, and what their uh, goals are? You know, th- these are real key things that need to be clear. I'm thinking about that as well. The value drivers, right? You, you typically have the strategy in mind and M&A is a tool against the strategy. You go pursue acquiring a company the reasons you buy that company should be very clear across the organization. There are specific value drivers. Are we buying it for the people because we want this amazing engineering talent? Are we buying it for the product so we can add uh, addition or expand our product mix? Are we buying it for the market share? You know, what, what are those drivers of the deal? And then building your approach and how you're going to execute integration around those value drivers so you can prioritize it and say, all right, this is the main number one reason. First thing comes first. Let's really, really focus on capturing the value around this number one thing that we bought this company for. What ends up happening is we overplan a lot of this stuff into checklist to-do list items. And next thing you know, you're pulling people in and they're tackling this massive checklist without a clear understanding of why, what does it roll up into? And then it it gets confusing because you're not enabling people to really make those decisions. And that's a big part of making all this change is there's a lot of decisions that need to be made at a fast pace. And if you haven't prepared leaders to do that, you, you end up with a lot of these issues, friction, confusion, and folks getting frustrated, burnt out, and eventually blow up, quit their job, and take a lot of value with them. 
Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate, to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. Now get us back to the episode. I I get that. So really focusing on as part of the integration, change management and communication, making sure that the alignment, not only with the organizational strategy as it stands with call it the parent or the acquirer, uh, but making sure that the the acquiree and there's that link between the why, why are we doing this? You know, what are we trying to accomplish in simple terms so that as people move into the operations, moving into the operations of the integration, that people understand not just what they're doing, but why they're doing it and where that connection is and failing of that or assuming people will know means that you kind of have to like leave it to their own devices and when we do strategic planning and we do leadership development and we support companies who have merged or integrated a company, that's what we say, you know, communication and making sure things are explicit instead of implied so that everybody moves forward. And ultimately, you're going to get a better bang for your buck when you acquire a company or integrate somebody. So a uh, carte blanche for you here. What, is, what do you want to tell our people about M&A, about the world of it? If you could tell anybody anything what would you want to tell them? Because I've got a couple more questions, but I'm just curious if there's that one thing that you're like, hey, folks, you need to know this. So listen up. I think leadership is the big thing at the end of the day. It's not a tactical exercise. It's not like any other financial transaction where it's highly quantitative digital computers talking to each other, the blockchain, any of that stuff. We're talking about people aligning people. It starts with leadership, ends with leadership. That's the key component of it. And I, I think when we look at those leadership approaches, the ones with uh, compassion and empathy tend to be the right fit to drive change. That real listen first mindset. I can get in this conversation with you right now, Anthony, and, and be the subject matter expert that I know all things M&A, but can I put that to the side? Can I assume what I know is wrong or I know nothing? learn some things about M&A from you. There is some things. Can I shift my focus and intently understand what you're thinking about, how you're feeling, why you feel that way? It changes the dynamics of the relationships that we have because now I, I can understand your goals and challenges, understand how I can align to help you with those goals. And then it, it changes the way our relationship is forming because you're going to be more receptive to some of the ideas I have because I took the time to really listen first. And I, I think that that tends to get forgotten. And when we do these M&A deals, we tend to make it this exercise of scrambling to get a bunch of to-dos done. Uh, well, that's not it. When we're talking about the real focus on people, you got to stop and put the person first, understand where they're coming from, and you'll learn a lot. Because if I'm buying a business and you're part of this team and you're now going to be part of my team, I want the best from you. I, I want the best and I need to understand where you're coming from. Say, hey, Anthony, this is my goal is to make this a win for everybody. 
what what are some of the things that we could do to make this a good win for everybody? And you're going to have a really different perspective on what that means. And I'm going to learn, and I'm going to get some of these ideas that are more tangible. And the fact that I took the time to listen is going to send a clear message as well. That's the big thing I, I'd probably want to say across with when it comes to M&A is listen first. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think it was uh, at least implied that that was at the leadership team level. But I think it, you the undertone or what you like it expressed was really um, doing that at scale. Because, you know, if at any level, if you're a frontline employee or your middle manager or your senior level, it impacts you at a different level. And your ability to kind of connect before you pull with those people is probably going to impact the success of the integration and beyond that, just, you know, like the outcome of, of the deal and the outcome of all the businesses. So really making sure that like leadership first throughout all of that, if I got your key point. Uh, yes, it's, it's just more critical with change involved. You know, the, the fundamentals of creating a positive workplace are still the same. You got to create a strong communication framework where every employee feels their voice is heard so they can point out the ideas and the problems. And then also acknowledge achievements across functions. <laughs> and then the last but not least, create an environment where your team feels they work amongst friends. And that's where we have these social events and, and things of that sort. Those fundamentals still apply when you want to create a positive work environment. You're not getting away from that. It just becomes even more critical when you're actually driving change that you have to be very proactive in that manner so that people don't feel they're left out, they're in the dark about things. People can surprisingly take bad news well. They, unsurprisingly, don't take no news <laughs> really bad. So you just, whether it is the way you communicate, even with an M&A transaction, there is some good and bad. Yes, there are probably likely going to be some layoffs associated with this transaction. This is what's going to happen because part of the strategy is creating value by combining some of our, our activities or functions together. But we also have opportunities that are going to be created because we're going to be expanding in these different directions. We're going to be creating new roles. So even if somebody's going to be impacted by this, we're here for them. We're going to support them by either helping them identify other roles in the organization that are now emerging that they could be part of. Or if it's outside of this organization, we're still going to help support them to transition into a new role. We're not going to leave people hanging in a bad spot. You know, that simple communication where it's just like layoffs are going to happen or I heard there's a rumor going around. You know, it gets out, of, it gets a little unwieldy and that's where it's important to have that level of communication that even if it's bad news, you can still communicate it and at least give people that news coming from the source of truth that then they can then digest and, and have a better association with that trust. And that's the most important thing that you want to develop and preserve is trust with the team. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a couple of great podcast guests prior to this one that talk about communication and communication structure. So how to move that forward. So check those out. I've got two questions for you before we finish these on, and uh, you can answer them kind of in whatever order you want. One is uh, when you look at a typical merger acquisition or change management effort when integrating two companies, what's it like a timeline for that? Like what would be reasonable so people can kind of like not under scope what they need to do? It's obviously not going to take two weeks. It's going to take a couple months. So what is your experience there? 
And then two, as you put your kind of foresight hat on, what do you see in the in the kind of business trends, whether that's the world of M&A or uh, just, you know, organizations as a whole across your area that you work in? What are some of the trends that you're seeing that our, our leaders might want to be aware of? So two part question, and I'll let you take it from there. The timelines, it varies, right? If you're on the buy side or sell side, I think I would put theme it up in one one thing is that it's a big decision to make. And the more time and consideration you put into these big decisions, the more likeliness you'll have to make better decisions. When you're impulsive and you rush things, you're more likely to make bad decisions. I can promise you that from personal experience. So when you're going to go sell a company, Take your time, build out the strategy, understand what are your goals? Is it objectively to get the highest price and that's it? Or are you looking to put a good home for your people so that they have good career futures? That's gonna sway who you'd sell this company to. So understanding that, understanding, do you wanna take the time to get to know these potential suitors? And you might already have in mind that there are three big companies in your space that tend to do most of the acquisitions. Do you want to take your time to get to know them? Do you want to play the long game? Maybe entertain some partnerships and really get a good fit and feel to see culturally what are these, how their organizations are going to work together and how well that acquisition would look like. If you got your time on your side, you can really take a lot of these different considerations and test out things, uh, sort of do the dating, if you will. You know, on the other side, if you want to compress and create a very competitive auction process, you can work with an investment bank and that's typically what they're good at doing. They'll create it, uh, you know, be mindful that you could potentially ward off certain buyers because they choose not to participate in that kind of aggressive process. When you do have an auction process, you tend to compress your timelines significantly and how you do diligence, how you get to close. And then once they get to close, the banker takes their cut and then you're left to figure out how these entities are going to come together. So it, it is a different uh, way of doing things. It's very common to do an auction process. Um, that's what creates that competitive environment. But then, you know, I said, there's there's factors to keep in mind. So th- there's part of that where how you put your consideration could shape your timeline on the buy side of the transaction, very rarely so. And uh, I, I the, you know, when you're on the sell side and the buy side, it's very similar. Uh, on the buy side, uh, you, when you go purchase a company through an auction process, you're meeting the timelines. You have to act aggressively and do that. And you're taking more risk because you're not going to be able to do the full comprehensive diligence you would if it's a deal that you're working directly with their management team and you're working together and you're bringing up these things and saying, hey, here's the time frame that we'd like to do. This allows us to do diligence. This allows us to plan integration, get you guys involved, working directly with the other team, being give them more information, the transparency, build a relationship. So there, there really depends if you're working principle to principle versus through an intermediary in terms of the overall impact of timeline between these transactions. Got it. And then in terms of the integration piece, are you talking like a year, two years, or it just depends? Big variable there. What are we integrating? Why are we integrating? How much, How? what's the depth of integration? You know, we may do a very, very light little integration. It could get done in a number of weeks. We may be doing a full integration and it could take much longer, take several months. We could be two large entities that are almost like a merger of equals coming together 
And that could take several years to, to combine those entities. So there is a lot of complexity when it comes to integration. Uh, and it, it does vary quite a bit depending on what exactly needs to get done and, and what's the overall strategy of how we're going to integrate. Cool. That makes sense. I think, yeah, there's no one size fits all and it depends on the size and scope of what you're taking on. Uh, and I think, uh, as you had said earlier, don't shortcut the process because otherwise, you know, you're, you're the only person who serves to stands to lose from that. So that and your people, of course. And then, so what are you seeing in the M and a space moving forward in, in, in 2022 and, and beyond? We talked a little bit about the people approach. So that that's a continued thing that we anticipate is, hey, these companies are made up of people. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about people coming together in these organizations and you need to prioritize that. That that we'll, we'll see continue. Uh, I, I think practices, we talked a little bit about agile and that's things that we're seeing a lot of significant results when you can create this iterative process around focusing to respond to change as opposed to creating a massive plan. So that that's another trend. I, I'd say the technology side is getting interesting where We've seen some early tools of contract analysis for the legal space. Uh, I, I see some of that stuff where you can take that technology, simplify it. So a regular consumer or practitioner could use it, but to be able to summarize information. I think that's a big part of doing diligence is you're analyzing a lot of information, but if you can use some of these machine learning type of products that help you summarize information so you can get through it, get the key insights that you're looking for a lot faster, be able to dynamically ask general questions and get those answers on the fly. I think that's what's gonna start shaping the efficiency and the way we pursue M&A deals that allow us to spend less time on the tactical crap and more time on the activities that generate value. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I'm excited to see ha what happens and as technology moves faster and, you know, every industry is going to get disrupted to a degree. And then what's all that's left is people because that's all that there is. Kisan, where can people uh, learn more about the programs you offer, learn more about your course and connect with uh, all of the different uh, entities that you uh, support and lead? Uh, absolutely. It's all on mascience.com. Everything's there. We got tons of content and resources related to M&A for anybody interested. And last year we launched a diversity scholarship program to encourage women and people of diverse backgrounds to get access to the training materials, templates, and resources so that they can explore a career in M&A. Um, but yeah, all mascience.com. Awesome. M-A-Science. Com. Check it out, folks. You know, as somebody who's involved on that integration change management side, I can't uh, overemphasize, you know, the people side of things, the communication side, and then creating a structure and a process to make that transition as seamless as possible and to have really clear outcomes uh, out of that. So, uh, Kisan, I really appreciate you sharing today. Uh, really great insights. And I look forward to learning more at mascience.com. Thanks, Anthony. My pleasure. Folks, my guest today, Kisan Patel, who is the founder and CEO of mnascience.com. Check them out. If you're thinking of an integration or even a career in MA, there's so many resources there. And I think there's a lot of potential myths there that uh, could stand to be busted. So check them out. And then if you know an organization that is considering uh, merger, acquisition, or integration, be sure to send them that link because it'll help them maximize the success. So thanks so much for watching. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Appreciate you being here. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you next time.
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that'll help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful, and we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95, and you can get instant access to all of the videos, plus you can use the code PODCAST for $100 off. The course comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know, and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course. Use the code podcast for $100 off, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.